Come on, church, you can do better than that. He is the God who makes the darkness tremble. He is a God who sends Satan scurrying away from his people. Can I get an amen? Father God, we love you, we praise you, we worship you today. Father, we thank you that you are the light of the world. And we ask, oh God, that even in the midst of this worship celebration today, you would scatter the darkness, that the enemy would tremble before you, oh God, and know that he has no place here. He has no place in our mindsets. We are claiming our minds for you and you alone, Father God. Be lifted up and exalted this day, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on. You guys, you guys been enjoying the baptisms lately? That we see God just changing lives on a regular basis. We have a baptism next Sunday. And you're getting ready to see an, a, a man who was dedicated as a child. Some of you might have grown up in traditions where it was called baptism. Let me be clear, the Bible is crystal clear. Believer's baptism. And I just wanna encourage you, even as you watch this, to start thinking, maybe next Sunday is your day to go public with your faith. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Good morning, New Hope. It's a privilege again to be in the water of baptism. And today with my brother, Richard. Now, Richard uh, was baptized as an infant and the question often comes, if I was baptized as a child, is it redundant to do it again as a believer? And the question is, no, it's not redundant. In fact, it's the fulfillment of the desire of Richard's parents that he would grow in the knowledge of God's love and to be a follower of Jesus. And for Richard, in 1979, he became aware of God's love in a time when he was a Marine and his life was saved. And Thank you again for your service, by the way, Richard. And then from there, from 1979 on, aware that God is chasing after him with goodness and mercy, as Psalms 23 declares. And so our brother in Christ is here today in front of his faith community to go public with his faith, uh, a faith that's declaring today uh, that he's a follower of Jesus as a believer and fulfilling uh, that desire as an infant when his parents baptized him. And so today it's his decision. So with that, Richard, I want to ask you, have you personally asked Jesus to be the Lord and leader of your life? I have. Fantastic. And is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? It certainly is. Fantastic. Then my brother, it's my privilege on the profession of your faith to baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Congratulations. Come on, church. Praise God. Amen. Woo. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you for what you are doing in our midst, and we pray that you bless this day. God, thank you for the gift of worship. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all the good things you are doing in our midst. We give you this time and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. Everybody say hallelujah. Would you help me welcome all the campuses? Come on. We're talking about Garner, Sanford, 
Hillsboro, the online campus, the Kenya campus. Praise God for all of you in those locations. Hey, I'm just wondering before I really get into the word today, do we have any cheerful givers in the house at any of the campuses? I know we do. Um, and just want to encourage you now as we transition to a time of a global offering at all of our campus locations. You know, currently we're not passing the basket, um, but it's always good to just remember why we give. And we give for lives like that brother who just got baptized. Can I get an amen? amen. We give, listen, because nine students accepted Christ yesterday at the SKO event in Garner. Come on now. We have 13 of those students who have expressed interest in baptism next Sunday. Don't let the students go alone. Come on. 25 of those students committed to going off the grid for the summer and leaning into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? So good. And so I just want to give a huge shout out and thanks to all the world changers. There were a ton of world changers over there yesterday. I rode over to Garner to be with them. A lot of world changers there. And there are a lot of world changers serving at all of our campuses today, from the children's ministry all the way up through the adult ministry, parking lot, ushers, greeters. Can we just honor all of those who make this possible? And I just want to say... I want to encourage you to start praying right now whether or not God is calling you to get baptized next Sunday. We are going to gather next Sunday. Do you know what next Sunday is? It's actually July 4th. So we're going to gather, check this out, on Independence Day, and then we're going to celebrate baptisms whereby we profess not our independence, but our dependence on God. And we celebrate baptism. There's going to be food. There's going to be games. There's going to be activities. All kinds of fun for all ages. And there's going to be a baptism celebration after every worship celebration at every campus. And I can't think of a better day than again on Independence Day to publicly profess your faith of dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ and profess your faith in him. So I'm praying for you and I hope you will be a part of that. Well, here's the deal. <clears throat> it saddens me. Unfortunately, it is time to wrap up this series on mindset. And um, I, I just, I regret it because this has been such a game changer for me over the last few years. And I know that, that you as a church, you have been very engaged as well. And I'm just so grateful for the teachers who have taught up here. Um, I'm grateful. I've listed all the resources on my social media platform. So if you've missed that, check that out. But I just wanna highlight one more time too. Um, man, if you don't have this book and you're engaged in mindset, get this book. It, look, look, it's kind of worn out, look. I left, I was at the beach a few weeks ago. You ever done this? I can't stand when I do this. I'll often leave books out where I'm gonna read them the next day and a thunderstorm came and it just, dem <laughs> it just demolished this book. So I'm gonna, I've been reading it, trying to hold it together. But, but Louis Giglio, don't give the enemy, come on, a seat at your table. And this is a great book because what he does is he grounds it in Psalm 23, that famous Psalm that we all know. Great, great book. Can't recommend it enough. I have used his stuff in this series and Craig Rochelle, winning the war in your mind. 
unbelievable book. I've used all kinds of Craig Groeschel stuff in this series. As I've always said, listen, I stand on the shoulders of those who have come before me. I remember the year was 2012 and uh, Craig invited me to their church, Life Church in Oklahoma. And I went out there and spent a few days with him and his staff. And even all the way back in 2012, he was already talking about the, the strongholds and the declarations that I've been walking you through. He was already talking about it in 2012 and the book just came off the press just a few weeks ago. Great, great book. Give praise and thanks for this man of God and so grateful for his work. Really encourage you to go do those. Today, I wanna talk to you about the power of declarations. The power of what? The power of declarations. And you might say, well, haven't you talked to me about that a little bit in this series? Absolutely, but this is different. In week one, and I think I came back to it in week three, I talked about identifying the lies that we believe. The lies that have been spoken to us by people, the lies that we tell ourselves, the lies that sometimes the enemy speaks to us, and combating those with biblical declarations. That's a little different than where I'm taking us today, but I'll get to that in a moment. For now, go ahead and open your Bible. Let's read it one more time. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It's that great passage on strongholds. We're going to be reading verses three through five, and we've looked at this almost every week. I know we've looked at it every week that I've been teaching, and I want us to read it out loud together, really strong like it's the word of the Lord. Ready? Go. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Great job. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to do what, church? To demolish strongholds. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Let's continue. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Come on, and we do what? Oh, we what? Say it again, we what? Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Put that passage to memory. So we've been talking about strongholds, and a stronghold is a wrong or unfaithful pattern of thinking. A wrong or unfaithful pattern of thinking. And we take those captive. Listen, if you're online, just type in the chat right now. Just type in, take captive. But today, I'm not talking about declarations per se to counter lies and, and, and maybe dark voices in your head. I wanna talk to you about some different declarations that we might call mind mantras mind mantras that you establish in your life and you make these the like, these are foundational for who you are in Christ. You'll call, I've said this, my mind is a battlefield. Your mind is a battlefield. And my life is always moving in the direction of my what? Strongest thoughts. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Now check this out. The life that I have right now and the life that you have right now in so many ways is a result of the thoughts that I have been thinking right up to today. Now, again, if you missed any of this, 
Go back and watch it on our YouTube channel. This is, this is a seven-week series, so this is the final installment. And I know hopefully you'll have a little extra time on your hands this summer. This, you'll recall, the very first week I spoke this, I said, this cannot be a Sunday thing for you. And you've been highly engaged. But if it stops on Sunday, listen, it, will, it won't be long at all for you'll be right back to the same patterns of thinking. I promise you. But if you work it, if you go listen to these messages, maybe if you buy these two books and you lean in this summer and you apply what I'm gonna ask you to apply at the end of the service today, and it's just gonna be one thing. I promise you that you will head into the fall with a different mindset. We're talking about mind transformation. You read the last uh, passage so good. Let's read Romans 12, one and two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but what church? But be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, what kind of will? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You guys sound great today. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but let your mind be transformed. Now, we can step out of the Bible for just a moment and right into modern day science. And what's really cool about this is I believe when you, when you follow science, and I've told you before, I'm not one of these anti-science guys. I believe in science. I was a pharmacy major in the University of South Carolina. But when you follow science, science can only take you so far and then there's God. Can I get an amen? And in the same way, I think the scriptures go so far at times and then science helps fill in the gap. So I think it goes both ways. So if we step out of the scriptures for just a moment, away from Romans 12, mind transformation, and we just look at the scientific world, we realize that we have made great advancements in the study of the mind. And there is this topic now that you're hearing a lot about called neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity. And I've talked about this a little bit in this series, but I wanted to give us a visual today because here's what's really cool. And then, believe it or not, this is mind-blowing. Think about it. You, you can change your mind. I mean, like, literally. I don't mean you can change your mind like I'm gonna go to Starbucks. No, I'm gonna go to Dunkin' Donuts. No, I don't mean that. <laughs> like, you can, you can change the mind physiologically, chemically, Neural pathways, trenches in the brain. You can actually change the makeup of your mind. And Romans 12 was telling us that. But I stumbled upon a great video this week. And when I say I stumbled upon it, let me just be completely transparent. I asked my assistant to find a good video and she helped me. <laughs> we give credit where credit is due. And Ashton Taylor rocks. Let me... I'm a visual person, and so maybe this will help you as much as it helps me. Check it out. Not so long ago, many scientists believed that the brain did not change after childhood, that it was hardwired and fixed by the time we became adults. But recent advances in only the last decade now tell us that this is simply not true. The brain can and does change throughout our lives. It is adaptable, like plastic, Hence, neuroscientists call this neuroplasticity. How does neuroplasticity work? If you think of your brain as a dynamic, connected power grid, there are billions of pathways or roads lighting up every time you think, feel, or do something. Some of these roads are well-traveled. These are our habits, 
our established ways of thinking, feeling and doing. Every time we think in a certain way, practice a particular task or feel a specific emotion, we strengthen this road. It becomes easier for our brains to travel this pathway. Say we think about something differently, learn a new task or choose a different emotion. We start carving out a new road. If we keep traveling that road, our brains begin to use this pathway more and this new way of thinking, feeling or doing becomes second nature. The old pathway gets used less and less and weakens. This process of rewiring your brain by forming new connections and weakening old ones is neuroplasticity in action. The good news is that we all have the ability to learn and change by rewiring our brains. If you have ever changed a bad habit or thought about something differently, you have carved a new pathway in your brain and experienced neuroplasticity firsthand. With repeated and directed attention towards your desired change, you can rewire your brain. You can rewire your brain. And if I might say so myself, I truly believe this is what separates positive people from negative people. You know, glass half full, glass half empty. This is, this is what separates great people from good people. I'll say something that, that might bother some of you, but won't be the first time, right? Um, <laughs> this is what separates winners from whiners. Well, I was wondering where my sister was today. This is, this is so important. Do not be conformed to this world, but let your mind be transformed, Romans 12 says. Now listen closely. You'll see this on the screens. There is no more perfect way or effective way to impact the neuroplasticity of our brains than regularly declaring biblical truths over our lives until we literally develop habitual neural pathways that enable us to live abundant, victorious lives. There is no more effective way. Hold it up there for a moment. I see some people taking pictures. That's good. Hold it up there. There is no more effective way to impact the neuroplasticity of our brains than regularly doing what? Declaring biblical truths over our lives until we literally develop, this is a key phrase I put together here, habitual neural pathways that enable us to live abundant, victorious lives. Um, I've shared this before and, and I always feel a little weird because I grew up in a day and age where it, no one talked about counseling. Um, I, I've, I've done a lot of counseling in my life. And when I say I've done counseling, I don't mean I'm the one who's counseling people. I've often said, you don't want me counseling you. I will jack you up. Um, I, <laughs> I, when I say I'm doing counseling, I mean like I'm doing counseling and with, with a counselor, with a therapist. And um, I've been thinking about this lately. Are there any counselors here? Because I love, I love counselor, praise counselor. Oh, lots of you. See, and uh, grab me afterwards. I'd love to know if you agree with this. I, I think the best counselors actually don't really tell you much more than you already know. The best counselors, mine does this all the time, she'll be like, tell me about that. 
And, and, and so the best counselors, the best counselors get you talking. And, and I love counseling because it's kind of cool when you think about that. You can go somewhere and just share everything and they're obligated not to share it with anybody else. Praise Jesus. <laughs> And, and, but the best counselors, they, they, they get you to remember most of the time what you already know. Like, like counselors, I know you're not gonna agree with this, but like I, I, I had this thought this weekend. Like, I think you guys should be giving me a check because you get to sit by and listen to me give great advice to myself. I'm just saying. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I'm gonna tell my counselor that, by the way. That's, that's the first thing I'm telling her next time I meet with her. Um, but, but, have you, ever, have you ever thought about this? This is amazing to me. The Holy Spirit is referred to in the Bible by Jesus as the counselor. Isn't it interesting? You counselors should love this. Isn't it interesting that Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as counselor and we've, we've taken these beautiful, important people in our lives. Thanks be to God, it's also becoming acceptable now. It used to be taboo, now it's not. We've taken these beautiful people who help us in our lives and we've kind of named them after the Holy Spirit, to which you might say, what are you talking about? Jesus said it in John 14, 26, out loud, ready, Go. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, I bring this up because I've learned the hard way that it is essential to intimately learn the voice of God through the Holy Spirit. And so I would ask you this question. What does the voice of the Holy Spirit sound like? To put it another way is when you think of God's voice in your life, what do you think of? And I am here to tell you today that I believe many of us associate other voices with God's voice. And we mistakenly assume that God is speaking to us voices of condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We, we, we confuse um, uh, conviction, which often comes from the Holy Spirit, with condemnation, and we assume they're both from the same voice. Let me break it down a little bit more. Some of you are misinterpreting voices from the devil or voices from the past or parents or spouses or any people who have betrayed you or your own voices, and you are mistakenly associating those with God's voices. And that's not God's voice. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. He is a divine reminder of who we are in Christ. In other words, one of the key components of getting out of our minds and allowing biblical truths to trench new neural pathways in our brains is learning how to forget some counterfeit voices so that we learn to remember and acknowledge and hear and listen and recognize the voice of God. I'm telling you that's huge as we wrap up this series. I need to say it again. One of the key components in getting out of our minds is learning to forget some voices and remember the right voices. You see, I, I believe, I know this is my story. I, if I'm not careful I will remember the things God wants me to forget and I will forget the things God wants me to remember. Hello. And that happens to all of us again because we start associating the wrong voices with God. 
What do you remember and what do you forget? It's okay to forget certain things. It's okay to learn to forget the things that are damaging in your life. Paul would say, I think it's over there in Philippians 3, somewhere around verse 13, he'd say, remember this, forgetting what is behind, I strain toward what is ahead to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, it's fascinating when you actually stop to think about the things we remember. Think about it. I bet if I were to grab most of you and I were to ask you, hey, what, what passage did Pastor Benji preach on the last time he preached in the church? <laughs> I see it on your face. And guess what? I most of the time can't remember. But if I were to say, in West Philadelphia, born and raised. <laughs> See, those, those who were born between 1975 and 1983, they immediately will respond in unison on the playground where I once spent most of my days. Right? Remember the Prince of Bel-Air, baby? You young people have no idea what you missed. <laughs> it was awesome. We, we remember, you know, it's fascinating. We have very selective memories. Now, let me break it down for you. One of the chief tactics Satan uses to cause us to remember the counterfeit, destructive, and or demonic voices and forget God's voice in and through the Holy Spirit, the counselor. That's what he does. He causes us to remember the counterfeit voices and forget God's voice. So I wanna give you an equation that I believe will help you and you can put it to memory and here it is. MD plus TC equals WM. Say it with me. MD plus TC equals WM. What in the world am I talking about? Memorized declarations. Oh, I see so many of you taking notes. I love it. Memorized declarations plus the counselor, which is who? Third person of the Trinity, Holy Spirit, equals winning mindset. Memorized declarations plus the counselor equals a winning mindset. Now stick with me. I want to end today talking about Peter. Remember Peter? Old Saint Peter. Peter was awesome. I love me some Peter in the Bible. Peter's raw. He's unfiltered. Peter had this ability to always stick his foot in his mouth. He wasn't perfect by any means. And Jesus said to Peter one day in Matthew 16, 18, he said, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of what? Hades or hell will not overcome it. That's how significant Peter was. You, you, we can't overstate the importance of Peter. I went to the Holy Land a few years ago with, with a bunch of you that I'm looking out here that y'all went with me and I stumbled upon old Peter. Believe it or not, he's still kicking. And this, was, this is him over the Sea of Galilee. This is from the Capernaum side of the Sea of Galilee. And they still have Peter there over the Sea of Galilee. And check it out. Notice, notice the key in his hand. On this rock, I will build my church. And Jesus gives him the keys to the church. But it wasn't all good, do you remember? Remember how Peter denied Jesus three times? 
Luke 22, 60 and 62, just as Peter was speaking, the rooster what? Crowed, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. There it is, here it is. Then Peter, what? Then Peter, if you're online, just type that in. Remember. Then Peter remembered. Remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You will disown me three times. And he went outside and he did what, church? He wept bitterly. Now there is a haunting quality in the phrase, then Peter remembered. What are you remembering these days? What voices in a, in a cyclical, almost circular way just keeps coming back into your mind and they are not the voice of God. They're not the counselor. They're dark voices that have come from people who might not have meant to, but they've hurt you and they've wounded you. And you've developed these neural pathways and you keep returning to them again. Memorized declarations plus the counselor equals a winning mindset. And Peter had failed and he was weeping and he was broken. And all of a sudden, I was raised in the South. I'm, I'm used to that sound. He remembered. How many memories, I put it like this in my notes, how many memories do you think Peter had, not only in that moment, but in the days ahead of his utter failure, denial, and subsequent brokenness? How many memories do you think he had? I tell you how many, a lot. And Peter was at his lowest point. I mean, rock bottom. He had denied Jesus. I think I could probably say most of us in here, if you're a Christ follower, most of us in here, we've, we've, we've fallen in many other ways, but we haven't publicly denied Jesus. He's down. He's out. He's broken. He's hurting. But here, here's the beautiful thing, and some of you know this. Flip over in your Bible to John chapter 21. That's where we're gonna kind of end. In John chapter 21, Jesus, after he was dead, buried, and rose again, the first person he wanted to see was Peter. He went to find Peter. He went to restore Peter. Most of you, at the top of that section of John 21, it'll have a heading, Jesus reinstates Peter. When they had finished eating, John 21, 15 and 19, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, what church? Feed my sheep. Amen is right. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then Jesus said to him, what's those last two words? What is it? Follow me. Ah, the good voice of God, the counselor who comes to restore 
and renew and reinstate. And on that trip a few years ago, I flew into the Holy Land by myself for about four days and waited for the, I think it was around 40 other New Hopers to come. And I just got a little place right there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and I, I spent some time with God. And I read through the gospels. I wanted to just read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and I did that. And, and then one day, I, I went down to the dock area, and I, I found this dude who let me pay him. It wasn't one of those tour boats. I just he, I said, man, dude, let me pay you. I want you to take me out on the Sea of Galilee and just let me spend some time out there. And, and he took me out there. Right where, oh, by the way, right where Peter walked on water. Right, remember him walking on water? So I'm out there that day, and... I remember opening up my journal and I wrote this. Lord God, as I'm on the Sea of Galilee where Peter walked on water, I'm reminded that he also denied you three times. And while I've never denied you publicly, Lord, I do feel like a failure when it comes to my personal life. Father God, would you please restore and renew me for the ministry ahead? I believe you are not done with me and I really need your help. I'm desperate and I need a miracle. And if you were here in September and October of this past year, you know that I talked a lot about that. And in case you missed it, I feel led to just kind of give you an update. In September and October, we sent out 3,300 emails multiple times. And we had meetings at every campus. And the purpose of the meeting was to share with you guys what was going on in my life. And I couldn't believe how many of you came out. Like, you wouldn't come to church in COVID. But you'd come out when Pastor Benji said he's got some personal stuff to share. And if you were here, and it was a lot of you, you know that I was completely transparent about my personal life. And you'll remember, and again, if you missed it, I'm sorry, and this is really the main reason I'm doing it for those of you who did miss it. But in complete transparency, I shared with you how my wife and I had experienced a really long, hard marriage. And I committed in that moment to never, ever say anything negative about Amy. She is a good woman and one of the best mothers I have ever known. But we just got to a point where we couldn't hide it anymore. 
And it had been 10 hard years of unimaginable loneliness and pain. We kind of just got married and realized early on this might be hard and we, we did two things. We focused on children and church. Children and church. That's all we focus on, children and church. And if you're young married or you're married, please don't, don't follow our example. And I sat up here and I shared all of that with all the members at all the campuses. Then we had makeup members. And then I said, I just can't do it for just the members. We opened it up to every single person who wanted to come. And we had all these meetings and, and I shared all this. Now you need to know, and this is really, really important. Shared it back then and I'll share it now. We're not talking about anything salacious here. There, there, was, there was no adulterous affairs. There was, we, we don't do porn. It, it was none of that. Like, and I want to repeat that. There's no marital unfaithfulness whatsoever. We just had a really, really hard marriage. Faithful to our wedding vows for 25 years, but a really hard marriage. And I must tell you that I sat before the church in September and October, and I said in every one of those environments, if you want me to leave, I'll leave. But if you want me to stay as a man who's got some troubles, who has some problems as a man who's trying to figure it all out, I'll stay. And I got to tell you, church, I have never been so moved by the local church in all my life. I thought I loved the church before 2020. I am more head over heels in love with the church than I have ever been because the response that you have given me since that time has taken my breath away. And I'm humbled. And I'm honored. I love this church. This is, I don't feel like the calling has left me. Again, I'll leave if you want me to leave, but I feel like I'm called to this post. I feel like this is my place to do ministry. I, I want to be here and you have surrounded me and so many of you have surrounded Amy too and we are just so grateful for your love and your support and your encouragement so that more than anything today, what I wanted to do is sit before you and say thank you. I don't know if I can quite put it into words, but for 20 years to sit up here and preach and teach grace and truth and to preach and teach the fact that there are no perfect people allowed at this church. And the church is not, not a cathedral for saints, but it's actually a hospital for sinners. Those are Jesus's words, not mine. And, and to, give, to give me the very thing I've been trying to teach you for 20 years has blown my mind. And I'm just so grateful for you. I wrote, I wrote in my journal, I said, Lord Jesus, in 2020, I felt like I was losing my mind. In 2021, I feel like I'm finding my soul. 
So my theme this year has been healing, health, and wholeness. If you were to walk around my house, you'd see these little sticky pads all over the place. Healing, health, and wholeness. And what I'm gonna be doing for the summer is I'm gonna be continuing to lean into counseling. I'm gonna do some retreats. I'm gonna be doing a lot of reading. I'm gonna be around. I'm gonna visit all the campuses. I can't wait to, to be at all the campuses. And I'm not preaching, don't ask me, I'm not teaching. I'm hoping your campus pastors will teach so I can stay on the front row and give lots of amens. But I'll be around, but I'm taking a break from teaching for seven weeks just just to continue to lean in, to do everything I can do to get my soul as healthy as it can possibly be so that I can lead this church into the fall. I'm tracking closely with my personnel team. They're, they're in, in, in the know on all of this and they have been a blessing to me. But I covet your prayers. And more than anything, I just wanted to get it all out there. I got it all out there to everyone who joined me back then, but I want to just make sure, hey, I have nothing to hide. I'm broken. I'm lonely. But I'm healing. And I covet your prayers. And I'm sorry, I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of work with shame these days and embarrassment. I'm sorry. And if you're looking for a church where the pastor's all prim and proper and he starches his underwear and he comes out in a suit and tie and he's got it all together and he's, you know, he's perfect and he's got the perfect marriage with 3.1 children, I love you, I'm not your guy. I'm not your guy. But if you're looking for a beggar who's trying to tell another beggar where to find bread, the living bread, the gospel of Jesus Christ, then, then maybe I'm your guy. And that's right there is what I got at all the meetings. And I don't even know what to do with your love. I don't even know how to handle your love your encouragement and your grace. Thank you. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna invite the bands to come out. So here, one point of application, that's it. One, I told you in the beginning, one point of application. I know we're going a little, little long, not really for us, but for Garner, they have multiple services packed in a short period of time. So Garner, stick with me, we're gonna wrap up. One point of application. Identify and craft seven 
biblical declarations that you know you need and then memorize and internalize to maintain a victorious, healthy, and biblical mindset. Take pictures. More people taking pictures. I love it. Take a picture of that or write that down or go back and listen to it on the YouTube. Let's say it out loud together. This is huge. If you'll do it, I'm telling you, it'll change your life. What do you have to lose? Some of us have been thinking the same defeated thoughts. I know I have over and over. I still repeat things that were said to me when I was a child. Satan wants you to remember the things you should forget. When we should remember the things that we've forgotten. Out loud, ready, go. Identify and craft seven biblical declarations that you know you need, brother, and then memorize and internalize to maintain a victorious, healthy, and biblical mindset. And you put them to memory. Like put them on index cards. You want to memorize. These are mind mantras for you. You say, why seven? I don't know. I picked seven because it's the number of completion in the Bible. No other more reason than that. Y'all want to hear my seven? Garner, you want to hear my seven? You think Pastor Drew's like, damn, we got to turn this parking lot over. It'll be all right, Drew. Great problem to have. Durham said it's a great problem to have, Garner. Here's my seven. I got more than seven, but here are my first seven. When I am weak, you are strong. I will not run from the pain and loneliness, but I will rejoice in suffering, knowing that my Lord and Savior Jesus suffered and died for me. That's my declaration. Number two, like Jesus, I will arise from death to new life. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Therefore, I still believe the best is yet to come. Life is hard. Number three, marriage is hard. Ministry is hard. Therefore, I will love people and choose to believe the best about all people. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. In Christ, number four, I am enough. By the power of the Holy Spirit living in me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4, 13. Put a scripture by your declarations. Identify seven and put a scripture. Here's number five. I am a leader of leaders. But as a follower of Jesus first, I will always humbly serve others to the glory and honor of God. Matthew 10, 45. Number six. I am disciplined, driven, and passionate about my love for my one and only life. Therefore, I will live each day to the best of my ability as I strive to love God with all of my heart, all of my mind, and all of my soul. Mark 12, 30. And number seven, 
Jesus is my first love. I will spend the rest of my days serving him in hopes of bringing more and more people to him and therefore to heaven. My heart's desire is that he would increase and I will decrease. John 3:30. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Let's get into this song. Let's get into this song. You guys, I think we're gonna do a great song because here's what you need to know. What God has started in you, he won't stop. What God has started in you, he won't stop. Go ahead and stand to your feet at all of our campuses. You are not a slave to your habits. You are not failing in your life. God is doing a new thing in your life. You are not unworthy of love. God loves you with a ferocious love. And listen to me, like Peter, you are not your past. You are not what you did. You are not what someone else did to you. You are not what others say about you. You are who God says you are. You are forgiven, you are redeemed, and there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Live your life for Him and watch Him change your mind and bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.